I think one of the the problems that students have is that they think professors are so busy and they're doing all of these things and they don't have time for students. And of course, as you know, that's entirely not true. Faculty want to talk to you. Faculty want to meet you. Faculty want to help you. Hi, everybody. This is Marcy Bullock and welcome back to season six of Wolfpack Career Chats. In this segment, we are highlighting on-campus services and resources. Why should you use them and how can they benefit you? Enjoy. Hi, Wolfpack fans. Today, we are joined by Erica Kozel. Hi, Erica. Hi. Good to be here. It's great to have you. I should formally call you Dr. Kozel because you worked hard for that PhD. Well, that's very kind, but Erica's perfectly fine. Um, it's funny because we met before you even got the PhD, so I almost feel like you're still, um, you know, at that stage, but off you are, doctor. So, so proud of you. And what I'd like you to start off with is a little introduction so that our audience can learn who you are and what you do on campus. Sure. Well, I uh, started off in Michigan, went to Michigan State University, uh, got my BS in zoology. And then I came here to NC State where I got my master's in ecology and my PhD in zoology. And then I went off to another institution, but I still had my connections here at NC State. During the summertime, I would teach biology every once in a while. And an uh, opportunity opened up to come back to NC State, and now I serve as the director of the Life Sciences First Year Program, and I'm also an associate teaching professor in biological sciences. I teach Bio 181, which is introductory biology, and I also teach LSC 101, which is creative and critical thinking in the life sciences. That is a big job. So you are overseeing a team of advisors, plus you're teaching. How many students do you teach each semester? Well, Bio 181 is very large. So usually there's about 200 students in the spring. And then in the fall, I have three different sections of the LSC 101. And that is probably close to 200 as well. So 400 a year. What? Okay. So with so many students and NC State being a really big place, and let's imagine a student that's in one of your classes who is in the, it's called Life Sciences First Year. Did I get it right? Mm -hmm. Great. And this is where students start before they actually move into the major that they pick. If they, I'll let you say it. What is it? What is that? What is that all about? You actually did a good job. So when students decide that they want to start in one of the majors that we support, they start with us first. And I always describe LSFY as kind of being a small college feel within this large university. So to me, it's a win-win. Students get the benefit of the extra support that we provide, sort of that community feeling that we can provide with smaller classes. And at the same time, they get all the benefits that NC State offers. And a lot of times students decide that they do in fact want to stay with what they originally thought they wanted to pursue. But a lot of times, that's actually close to about 40% of the time, students decide that maybe they want something slightly different. So they didn't know 
anything about genetics or they didn't realize we had a microbiology department and major. And so they decided to sort of pivot a little bit. And so we get them through that first year and help them hopefully in lots of ways, academically support transition, picking majors, and then they matriculate and go off to wherever they find themselves. That's such an important thing for a new student on campus. And let's imagine they're in your life sciences first year and they're trying to figure out which major they want. How do they approach faculty to develop relationship? That seems really intimidating if you're in a group of 200 people. Do you have any advice? Yeah, yeah, I think it is very intimidating and sometimes We sort of forget that everything is so brand new for students, even if they went to a big high school or not. It's new, exciting, it's scary, it's crazy, it's terrifying all at the same time. And I think for students just to realize that and that they don't have to be out there on their own. Lots of other people feel just like them. But also, I think one of the good things in LSFY is that we try to put them in smaller classes. So even though I might teach, you know, hundreds in a semester, they're only in a class of 30 or they're in a class of uh, 50. And again, I think it's important that students just force themselves, right? It's so easy to go into a large class, sit in the back and sort of be invisible and leave. So to just be really mindful of that, and you don't have to be super upfront. If you just literally sit around the professor, they will oftentimes chit chat with you. So even if you're more reserved or shy, if you place yourself physically toward the front of the room, I always walk around at the beginning of class when people are getting settled and just try to connect with students that way. And then you just have to answer, right? So that would be one way is just strategically place yourself at the front of the class. A second way is to make that leap of faith and kind of put yourself out there a little bit and show up to that person's office. I think one of the the problems that students have is that they think professors are so busy and they're doing all of these things and they don't have time for students. And of course, as you know, that's entirely not true. But I remember feeling like that when I was a student many, many moons ago. And again, I think if students just hear that message, faculty want to talk to you, faculty want to meet you, faculty want to help you, and then to um, hopefully, again, be a little bit brave and say, I'm just going to go to her office and just stop by. Again, you don't have to have any sort of questions or agenda or plan. You just kind of have to stop by and say hi. And normally the professor takes over and starts asking questions, and then it's really easy. That's reassuring, Erica, because I think that's part of the scariness of it is approaching maybe a stranger that's in a power position and wondering, what if I say the wrong thing? What do I ask? But that's good to know that you can just come say hello, maybe bring up something about the class or anything in current events. And it's a conversation where then the professor kind of takes the lead to get you engaged and get to know you. Because one of the things I hear from students like later is they need that letter of recommendation and they're sitting there going, well, I actually don't know any of my professors. So you have to be so intentional, right? 
Yeah, and I think you also just have to be mindful that you you bring something to the table to the professors too. So I love interacting with students. I love getting to know them. I know you do too. They they provide different perspectives. They have interesting things to say. So sometimes students make the mistake of thinking, I don't have any questions. I'm doing fine in a class. I don't need to go to office hours or student hours. And again, it's not necessarily about that, although it can be. As you said, it's just, just sort of show up. And it's amazing just one little nugget that a student will tell me that they may not even realize is relevant, I'll all of a sudden get excited and say, oh, wait, tell me more about that. And then I have them in my mind so that if, say, an email pops up, an opportunity for research, I might think, oh, this reminds me of, you know, Marcy, and I need to send her this email so that she knows of this opportunity. And again, doesn't really take much. It's just every once in a while, check in or stop by on your way to a class and just wave hi. And the professor will remember you. And so, like you said, when it comes time to thinking about a letter of recommendation, that seed's already been planted. So faculty are like real human beings. And I think after the pandemic, when we were so isolated, it became hard to have conversations with people again. And what are some topics that you usually talk about? Like, do you talk about music or anything like sports? Not necessarily. Although if a student brings that up, we will go there. We usually talk, I think, mostly because I'm dealing primarily with freshmen trying to figure things out. We will mostly talk about how to maybe find research opportunities or what are possible career paths that you might take if you major in this over this. So we tend to have more of those kind of um, sorting sorting things out on campus, I like to say, I guess, con conversation. So, you know, where can I find resources? How can I get help? And the advisors at in LSFY are wonderful. And I think they provide a lot of those like logistical questions for the students of, you know, you can go to the OUR for research um, connections, for example. They can really help to send students in the right direction. So when they land in front of me in my office, they typically have some sort of, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to major in. My advisor told me I should talk to you, or I, I really decided I liked biology. I didn't know that I liked biology, but I don't know what I can do with a major. And those are the, usually the conversations I have, but I also have those students that show up week after week and they plop down and they tell me about, you know, what they did over the weekend or what they're thinking about for graduate school or, you know, Dr. Kozel, you mentioned um, I should get a mentor. Will you be a mentor for me? And then they just come week after week and they tell me about, you know, their biochemistry classes or their frustration with their roommates or, and a lot of times I'm just listening. And I think that's a really nice way for them to be able to just let it out there without, you know, feeling like somebody's judging them or feeling like they're talking to a therapist because clearly I'm not a therapist. I'm just, okay, yes, okay, sounds good. <laughs> but it, it's, it's, I hope it's helpful for them. I know that I really value those connections and those conversations with students as well. 
I think that is really helpful because it's like you said, it's a support person. And then when it does get to that place where maybe you're applying to medical school or wherever, and you want to ask for the letter, what kind of suggestion do you have for someone that might be a little scared? Like, what if this professor says no? How do I approach the professor? I think when students are mindful of what would the professor need to know about me to write a really good letter and having that information up front is really nice. I also really appreciate when students ask me ahead of time, I'm going to be applying for medical school. Would, would it be okay for you to write me a letter or would you consider serving as a reference for this job that I'm going to be applying for? So they give me a heads up. That can be really helpful. But again, kind of coming prepared, like the medical school or the professional school or the graduate school or whatever, they're asking that you talk about my leadership skills in particular or my analytical skills or whatever, uh, again, is being highlighted. So they bring that so that, again, I know what kinds of things would be helpful in the letter. And sometimes students will share a resume with me and sometimes not. I think it, that sort of depends on their stage. A beginning student who's just trying to get experience doing a, something in the summer doesn't really have a resume, but a student who's getting ready to graduate, they will have thought through some of these things and they'll have you know their experiences or classes that are relevant and if they provide that to me up front, that can be really helpful. And then I think something that students forget, or maybe they don't necessarily realize that we appreciate is what happened, right? So I, I wrote this letter, where did you land? What did you decide to do? So I absolutely love when students let me know their good news. Like I did get the position or, you know, I didn't get the position. And sometimes I think, Students don't want to tell you about those instances because maybe it makes them feel bad, but it's actually in my probably past 10 years or so, I think been some of the most meaningful conversations I've had with students is when they're disappointed that something didn't come through that they had hoped for. The conversations that stem from that can be really helpful. And what do we learn? And maybe it leads to something else. And I think, you know, the older that I get, the more that I realize there's always something good, even the heartbreaks, the heartaches and the terrible things, there's always something good. And so if I can help students focus on that, and then use that, it, it makes me feel good. And, and it makes me feel hopefully like I'm helping them in a really solid, concrete way. Oh, I can tell how sincere you are in that and how lucky the students are to have you in their life. What would be your, as we wind down, your top tip for a first-year student at NC State? So probably my top tip would be to be kind to yourself and that it's okay to be good and not great at all things. Because a lot of our students, as you know, come to us being superstars and so you're in a sea of superstars and there's just a lot going on that first year. And I think sometimes students don't give themselves the grace that they should to realize not everything's going to work out the way I want it to. And there's going to be little blunders along the way. And it's okay that, I, you know, I, I made a B. Some, some of our students get really upset if they make Bs and they think or Cs even 
it's okay. Like it's one class, it's one test. It's okay. You'll do better next time. You can still pass the class. You can still do well in the class. It's all good. Yes. That is such good advice from the standpoint of people who are perfectionists. Uh, None of us are perfect. And you and I have made many stumbles and haven't always done things A plus work. And so give yourself some kindness. Be gentle to yourself. What a great way to wind down. And for a fun question, last question is, what is your favorite howling cow flavor, Dr. Kozal? I do like the cherry brick road. Is that the name of it? Yes, that is very good. Good decision. (laughs) Thank you. Of course.